Welcome to the Shutdown Full Cast. Y'all, this is Rivalry Week recap, and I, I want to start with something that happened, I don't know, after 7 OT. Because as the internet's only college football podcast, it's important to discuss what happened immediately after the games and not what's in the games. And let's be honest, after 7 OT, you don't really have a game. You just kind of have a collection of random events that unfolded in front of you that happened to turn out one way or the other, and somebody, in theory, has to come away with a win. That's not what we're here to talk about. No, 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 no. There's a lot. I mean, you can laugh at Michigan. Y'all you want to laugh at Michigan? I'd love to. Yeah. Well, that's going to have to wait. I'm Spencer Hall. And what I want to talk about tonight is I want to talk about the iron fist of Kevin Falk. And the other iron parts of Kevin Falk. There are many. Yeah. And the dude in a Texas A&M shirt who almost caught a hullabaloo connect connect right to the solar plexus and possibly the, the neck, the throat, at the hands of LSU director of player development and former LSU running back and former New England Patriot Kevin Falk. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's what I want to talk about. Now, we have, I think, a consensus here. We were all up for that game, or did Ryan... Had you already checked out by then? Didn't even realize it was happening. Had totally checked out. I fell asleep, ironically, during the sixth overtime. Jason, you were watching LSU Texas A&M to the end, correct? But I have seen the aftermath. Uh, I I caught up the next day. Man, I watched the Hawaii game to the end. Of course I watched LSU A&M to the end. You're an example to us all. Yes, the only one. Kids, be like Jason. No, Stay don't. Up. It means not sleeping. Go <laughs> no. to sleep, kids. Shut the fuck up. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. It's Maybe one of later. The, one of the like four things you need to know how to say to be a good uh, parent slash uncle slash aunt. Go to sleep. Be careful. Finish your food. Yeah. Actually, it's just three. That's, that's basically, that's, I remember him as being so loving, and all you're doing is just giving basic human instructions. Don't poop there. Poop here, not there. Be careful. This is the one part of pet parenting that I think crosses over well into actual parenting. Along with, what is that in your mouth? Spit it out, spit it out, <laughs> spit it out. The, at the end of the game, after... Texas A&M wins in the seventh OT in LSU for some reason just forgets who plays what position and starts giving every carry to Joe Burrow. Not that it didn't work. Shut down forecast mascot Joe Burrow. That's right. They, they also had a full black fullback play wide receiver and a running back play quarterback to throw to him. Yeah. LSU just started to, they started to lose the plot. The game got so long that, like the tale of Genji, dead characters came back without any explanation. And no one really cared or asked too many questions about it, right? The continuity. All the timelines came together around the fifth OT. Oh, man. Picture Coach O saying, Rashomon. <laughs> There's many different perspectives. I feel like it would sound like a sneeze. Rashomon. Rashomon. Excuse you, Coach. No, I'm talking Japanese cinema. Coach, what happened there with the field goal attempt uh, as time was uh, winding down that? Well, we had to rush him on, so had to hurry to kick up. Truth is subjective. 
what I wanted to get to was photos. The video came out later, but really the first thing that came out of this at the end of the game, there was a scuffle between uh, some LSU personnel and some Texas A&M sideline credentialed people. And I didn't pay attention to that at first because we'd already had one pretty funny game ending brawl earlier that day in the form of UNC NC State. Yeah. Good tussle. Like rivalry weekend had some good fracases happening, right? It's like, oh, another fight. No. We see we see you, Egg Bowl. We see you everybody getting a warning. Oh, everybody getting that? a personal foul. Did that happen? Mm. Uh, yeah. Let's not forget Kentucky Louisville. Yeah, Kentucky Louisville yeah. had a good dust up. On, like, right? I think at, I think on the opening kickoff. Which yeah. that's that's sort of a tradition there. Florida, Florida State even had an attempted flag planting, which was uh How'd that go? It was cut short by anti-colonialist Dan Mullen. We don't claim territory anymore. As a nation state, we exist as an idea. Well, that's that's Ron Zuxfield. Why would you dis- why would you, you know, ruin it? That's true. He, he has to mow it now. So you're saying Dan Mullen disrespected the flag? <laughs> that's that is correct. Dan Thank Mullen protested the flag. <laughs> that's right. Flag disrespect in Mississippi? Hey, Florida did have to take a knee at the end of that game, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. Topical. So, all the way back around. This scuffle broke out. Uh, this was excellent reporting by Glenn Gilbo, uh, who got to the bottom of this. A scuffle broke out, but before we knew any details, there was just a photo. And this photo is incredible because uh, it was taken by uh, Hillary Shinock of The Advocate. It is a photo of Kevin Falk. Not, a, not an un... Not an unfit man. What's Kevin Falk up to? Oh, well, Kevin Falk is uh, about up to the dude's neck. He's got his, like, when you say catch these hands, he has delivered the hands to this young man. Still unidentified, by the way. We do not have a positive ID on the guy who I will just call said redneck. There there are rumors, though, are there not? We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to those. Okay. All right. Sorry. He does bear a slight resemblance to a member of the Texas A&M staff. Just saying. Not saying connected to anything. But, um, the phrase catch these hands? Oh, Kevin Falk hath thrown them around the collar and neck area of this extremely stunned dude who instantly looks like, by the way, he's got his eyes closed. Somebody said he kind of looks like French Stewart. That is a real specific reference, but it's deep pull for 2018. Yeah, it's not inaccurate, though. It's not inaccurate. If I just said kind of a countrified French Stewart. <laughs> French onion dip Stewart. French dressing Stewart. French dressing French, Stewart. French, French Creole Stewart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he, is, uh, he is clearly on the defensive here, uh, having made a very poor decision to start this fight. And his face registers every degree of this emotion, by the way. Did we ever really explore why that dude was named French and no one ever bothered to interrogate that? I'm going to work on that right now. You keep going. Yeah, thank you. Get to the bottom of that. But his first name is Milton. Oh, that that's why. His, okay. his, his middle name. All right, hold on. Who hold on. Hold on. To a baby? Uh, wait, wait, wait. According to Wikipedia, his first name is Milton. He has no middle name, and his last name is French Stewart with a hyphen. So basically, he's Cher or Prince. But French Stewart. I have fewer questions than I did at the outset. Damn. I will say that. 
That's amazing. <laughs> Aren't you glad you asked? We've learned so many things already tonight, and we're about to learn a few more. Do you know how much we've bumped up French Stewart's Q rating in the past 18 hours? This is this story starts, by the way, according to Gilbo's article. It starts when Texas A&M wide receivers coach Damian Craig, his team won this game, by the way, right? Uh, was, quote, yelling and going up to LSU coaches, including head coach Ed Ogeron. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do we That's like? That's the least surprising part, is because there's a reason Coach O would have been mad at this point. Well, Coach O, if you missed it, Coach O was doused with celebratory Gatorade like an hour before at the end of regulation. That's right. That's I mean, right. That's okay. Before, I had to watch all seven overtimes. Yeah, when I so, six OT, they were tied. So that's no problem, right? Mm-hmm. So Ed Ogeron, Damien Craig walking up and trying to talk trash to Ed Ogeron is clearly proof that there were law enforcement officials there. Because I don't think anyone does that without a cop within arms, like, grabbing distance, right? Like, we got police here? Okay, cool. Hey, Ed! Kiss my ass! Officer! (laughs) Hiding behind him. But that's not what happened. Nope, nope, nope. What happened was... Wait, wait, we we need to frame this, because if... We're not going to get into the, the salacious rumors circulating online as to the identity of this puncher, but... Suffice to say that if these are true, then this falls into this particular chain of country catastrophe, this particular vein of storytelling that I love, because it's one of those things where when you're framing the story at the very outset, you can start by saying, well, it turns out. (laughs) Which is how you know you've gotten the real redneck quotient up is whenever you go, hey, so it turns out. And I'll just read this here straight from it. Uh, Damian Craig is over there raising hell, and Steve Cragthorpe, an assistant for LSU, decides to walk over and, you know, move it along. Just just going to move it along, right? Saying, hey. So this is Cragthorpe directly. I went up to Damian and said, hey, Damian, get out of here. You won. You don't need to be doing that. Move along. And that's when I got hit. I mean, I got nailed. He was a young guy. I'm 53. I'm not going to fight him. And here's the it turns out part. Because if you're that young guy, the one who made a very bad decision in deciding to fight and coming up against Kevin Falk, who's from Karen Crow, outside Lafayette, you don't want none. If you're that guy, this is when you get into redneck disaster territory because it's never just about one detail. No, it's always about the additional thing, right? Like, hey, so when I went mudding and it turns out it was a protected federal land reserve with a rare kind of turtle whose nest I disturbed with the wheels of my massive truck. And now those charges are federal. That's the it turns out, right? The, oh, I thought it'd be funny to throw my cigarette in the window of a passing car. Not only was he a cop, he was the president. President cop. I threw a cigarette <laughs> and it landed on president cop. And now I'm in super jail for the rest of my life. Oh, secret service ain't shit. It turned Man, look at you weaving these tales of fiction so so effortlessly, so definitely. So you have a real, you have a real. It turns out story, don't you? Not for you, but I do, I do. The it turns out factor, like a coworker of mine who I've mentioned, or a coworker of my brother's, 
and from West Virginia, he has one of the best it turns out stories ever because it starts bad. Remember, the story always starts bad as in, well, I got a DUI because I drove through a building. And that's the harbinger word here. The, hey, what happened to you? Well. Yeah, that means there's two parts. There's going to be a turn. The, and the turn, turn comes with, it turns out. It turns out it was a post office in this guy's case. And those charges are federal. The turn was also into a building. Yes. So. Through a building. Completely through a building. That's what happened. And then he got federal charges. So about that turn, it's about to come up here in the story, okay? Because <clears throat> remember, Steve Cragthorpe talking. He says, I'm a young guy. He said, he's a young guy. I'm 53. I'm not going to fight him. Let's keep going. You might have remembered something about Steve Cragthorpe at this point. But if you haven't, I'm about to take you through it. I have Parkinson's. But even if I didn't, I haven't gotten in a fight since high school. So that's that's all real bad. Because this guy, this guy just punched Steve Cragthorpe, who has Parkinson's and is 53. It's not a good look. Are we done? No. <laughs> We're not even close to done. Not even close to done. I continue from Gilbo's article. Out of nowhere, I got nailed, Cragthorpe said in a phone interview when he got back home Sunday afternoon. I didn't go down, but I clutched over. Where's that turn? Oh, put your signals on. Here it comes. I was like, damn, he got me right in my pacemaker. Then it started fluttering like he jostled it. That's right. (laughs) The turn wasn't just that you got into a fight on the field by punching a 53-year-old guy with Parkinson's. No, man, you hit him right in the pacemaker, the one you didn't know he had. And you popped him right in there. Boy, he felt it. Also, since when is that a place to direct a punch? (laughs) <laughs> right in the face. I mean, unless you did it intentionally, which whew, that's that's scouting right there. I think that means you got a heat-seeking fist. You detected the machinery. The choose target. Yeah, Jimbo's really is. I'll up. I'll be first on the line against Skynet. I can tell the robots. I can smell them. <laughs> Cyborg Steve Cragthorpe. <laughs> he was coming to kill us all. I mean, really, he only kind of made Louisville sick for a couple of years, and then he was fine. He's not a very effective... He's a nice guy. He's not an effective Terminator. He'd be a terrible Terminator. Look, he's polite. He's got Parkinson's. This is not good. So, yeah. Popped him right in the pacemaker. And then, as if this wasn't bad enough... And remember, we're like... We're a good four degrees of trouble down in here. He turns, and he sees Kevin Falk! Who, if you've seen any of these photos, the most recent of which features Kevin Falk being held back by an LSU player and his fist in the exact shape of the exact clench of the Arthur meme, right? (laughs) Like he is about to bury this young man. Swole, swole Arthur. Yeah, just swole Arthur with the gym, by the way, with the gym shorts on under the khakis. Stay ready, all-star Kevin Falk. Ready to just go. It's like, I don't know if it's got multiple rounds. I'm ready to go. Take these khakis off and I'm good. That is why LSU and Texas A&M, best new rivalry in college football. Thanks thanks to this God-level redneck idiot who ended up being, I don't know, three or four different memes by the end 
of uh by the end of saturday night painting in a couple of these it was the framing is magnificent this is this this year's college football renaissance painting last year it was tennessee alabama tennessee's elmer this year it's this kid yeah so while we do not know the id i could say he definitely does look like a prominent the prominent texas a&m staffer looks a little bit a little bit like you know maybe they get it a relation they get it maybe not a not a direct but you know close enough moving on yeah so i don't like what we we can't we can't say that everyone's saying it's a jimbo's nephew (laughs) people are saying i don't like some are we gonna get are we gonna get sued by jimbo or something (laughs) he's got the money man like but like that is being widely reported <laughs> yeah it's not like they have info horns the information gathering <laughs> yeah we're we're, we're off their radar their pretty sure they're not rival <laughs> this podcast getting shut down by jimbo fisher's legal team Full the best stuff they could have. that would be our finest achievement yet and, and somehow florida state would come rolling in that counts as a win we're bowl eligible now. Count it. So the reason I think that is important to mention is what happens after the dust up when the young man nearly gets his head head punched off by Kevin Falk. He immediately scampers off to find Jimbo <laughs> to, to report what has happened. <laughs> and makes a punching gesture, right? Like, hey, hey. I hey, Jimbo, I just punched a guy with Parkinson's. Uncle. Uncle well, Jimbo. Un- Hello. Jimbo's like, Uncle. You, can't, you, you can't use my name out here. You that, that could be anyone. He's, he's, he, must be ta- he must be talking to you, Damien. Not me. I have many people's uncle in a spiritual sense. Jimbo's, Jimbo's like moment, by the way. <laughs> he's talking to Rick Perry, not me. I thought I'd gotten away from these people. I thought I'd, I'd gotten all the money I needed and <laughs> built myself a new life as a member of this aristocracy. All of a sudden, this white trash just rolls up. <laughs> you can you can leave the hills of West Virginia, but... <laughs> Can't take them nowhere. Should have taken the UCLA job. <laughs> this shit does not happen to UCLA. <laughs> oh, no. Au contraire. Oh, I mean, Diddy wow. throws a kettlebell at you, but oh at least that's classy and off the field. Right, that's way off the field. Yeah. You get a celebrity throwing kettlebells at you. <laughs> Not at the goddamn head coach. That's just more like a rejected American Gladiators event. <laughs> oh, so, God. I mean, I think hand in hand, the game matters a lot here. Tensions were high from, uh, and it, it feels crazy to say that, like, the game was somehow topped by the event that happened after it, but it, it, it really was, at least on the internet, because this was quite possibly the craziest fucking football game in the history of football. We're talking the longest FBS game ever, the most points in an FBS game ever. It went over the total by 100 points, <laughs> which has to be the biggest, like, the biggest. If you took the under in this, you're officially the worst gambler of all time. I'm I'm so excited for somebody to be either doing uh like bowl previews or season previews next year and look at either one of these defenses and just look at average points scored right. on and just, we'll be like, well, you know, they really faded down the stretch there. Yeah. If if you use stupid math, um, then this game has will make you sound like a dumbass. Yeah. You'll, you'll be out here saying like, oh, LSU, they have a <laughs> below average defense. It's sad to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ellis, but they had the best quarterback in the conference. So. <laughs> Dude, this I wanted this Burrow game to go incredible. on so long. 
the, I wanted this game to go on so long that Joe Burrow put up 2,000 yards, and it's like, shit, I I, I guess we got to send him to New York now. Gotta, gotta he, vote for him. He threw for 5,000 yards this year. He's a finalist. <laughs> really, Can man, we give him the him Maxwell on. Award just for one game? Kill him on through tons of touchdowns. He's got to have a ton of yardage. Yeah, yeah, 280 <laughs> yards. <laughs> they got to seven. <laughs> through, through, like his line, don't look it up. I'm just going to quote it. Don't bother checking it. It's 23 TDs and 280 yards passing. <laughs> because as the game it. went on, the refs were increasingly tired of this shit. Um, which, which the refs, you know, they helped the game go to overtime. Uh, not, not to the degree that LSU fans thought at the time, because like the big, big, big bad call was actually a good call. The the fourth down, the line was TV fucked up, not the refs, basically. Uh, but there was there was other stuff too. The refs helped the game go to overtime. But once it got there, boy, the, did they re- re- regret that decision? And it felt like with every period, the, uh, the you know the OT you're supposed to start at the twenty five. It felt like it was just creeping closer and closer. <laughs> so finally, on A and M's winning drive, it was like the ball's near the end zone. Fine, pass interference, personal foul. Put it on the inch line. We got to get out of here. One <laughs> a.m. This it it did sort of feel like at the end where you really want a game of Monopoly to end and you just start giving your kids things right like oh look you got like nine hotels on that whoops I'm broke broke <laughs> it's crazy how you won that the you Russians get it. invested ten billion dollars in your one million dollar property you win <laughs> you did it capitalism works I mean this happened and it eclipsed even the Egg Bowl which the Egg Bowl the Egg Bowl was lit. Egg Bowl was fantastic. In terms of a fight? Yeah. But the Egg Bowl you knew would be that way. Yeah. And the game itself was not that good. No, it was deplorable. It was awful. Despicable. Remember, although the Egg Bowl did have the notable achievement, not even Texas A&M, LSU can claim this, not with their seven OTs. Not with all the records, not with the massive over. The over-over, right? Going 100 points over the over. It feels good to say that out loud, man. It's like, take it seriously. It's like hitting a line. You're like, ooh, that's astounding. But it did have an achievement that not even Texas LSU could, you know, offer, which was how on earth do you get players ejected on a play that never happened? That was the greatest thing that they ended up with, I believe, three players ejected on a single play where the quarterback who dove into a fight did not get ejected three other players did and the play was then called back so in other words you were ejected for nothing never happened still ejected though that's you're some... off the grid you're off the grid now the government can't tax you yeah. you're legally I dead know how that reads in the play-by-play <laughs> in like the the sheets not like the espn play-by-play but in the sheets they hand out in the press box so we're saying Ole miss participated in football that didn't matter Ole Miss fighting ghosts? Interesting. <laughs> Old Miss four about, four Old players Miss ejected as their daddies watched on, as did all the ghosts. <laughs> the ghosts who were also being ejected for fighting each other. <laughs> it makes me wonder if there's a corresponding voice to the Old Miss fathers and sons voice. Uh, Ghost fight. <laughs> no, that it's just it's just completely opposite that, right? Hi, how you doing? <laughs> We're Mississippi State. <laughs> like a voice with no gravitas whatsoever, right? We just did that. It's Rice voice. The boys fight. The boys fought real hard. 
But in the end, tarnation if they didn't get their butts kicked. You just sound like Jimbo. I just sound like Ross Perot. Yeah. You sound like Jimbo put yeah, on like a 45. Like when you put one of those records, one of your child records on when you were a kid and slowed it down so Alvin <laughs> and the Chipmunks sounded normal. Oh, God. I just sound like David Cross on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Hi, everybody. It sounds it sounds like Jimbo if you're like Commence the jiggling. <laughs> Coach, can you can you uh can you sound real fired up and excited for this recruiting video? I think that's what you get out of Jimbo at that point. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to the Texas AM video. They gotta like they like Sorry, I'm glad to be here. We gotta we gotta chop and screw him so he sounds normal. Hey It's <laughs> as slow and low as I get. Jason, I, I have found the um I've found the play-by-play description, and I'm going to send it to you so that you can read it as Wright Thompson, if you don't mind. Oh, wow, okay. Um, hold on. This is all, but if you want to Whenever know. Whenever you're ready. If you want to know, by the way, that's that's my takeaway. It's the Texas A&M LSU fight. That's everything I want for college football, and otherwise kind of mediocre to mess season. Men with Parkinson's getting punched in the pacemaker? It's all you want out of a rivalry game. All right. Please direct so your complaints is... about this segment to at 38 Godfrey. Yes. I think I think he's... <sighs> Haven't we done enough? Let's not talk about Godfrey mm-hmm. right now. Based on the results of this past weekend. Let's not talk about... Let's not, let's not talk about those. Um, okay, so real quick. This is all following a touchdown celebration for a touchdown that never happened. <clears throat> <clears throat> Penalty, MS, unsportsmanlike conduct offsetting. Penalty, MS, unsportsmanlike conduct offsetting. Penalty, OM, unsportsmanlike conduct offsetting. Unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on all players on the field. Ejections, number two, number three, and number six of MSU, and number 38 of Ole Miss. Jason, we're just gonna keep that rolling. What what did you want to talk about out of rivalry week? <laughs> well, speaking of Godfrey, I um we had a long bet on the territorial cup on uh Arizona ASU. He of course trusted in Herm Edwards. I failed to trust in Herm Edwards. And uh it was looking great at points in the season. And then especially toward the end of the actual game between the two teams. But then, uh, but then Herm pulled it out at the end, and now went seven and five, won the NFC West, going to the uh, wild card round, I believe. So that's that. Godfrey and I are now two and two against each other. You know what numbers Herm needs? Herm needs seven and five, because that's Somebody, what he got. Was it? I think it was Matt Hinton that pointed out they basically had the exact same season as the year prior. <laughs> like they tore down a house, built a brand new house, and it was actually the same house. But because we all assumed it was going to be a, a total fucking shit show, we not, that's the secret. Hire a coach that the media is going to be like, what the fuck did you do? And then when that coach is not that bad, the media will also turn around and be like, man, look at them making it. Way to go. Your coach doesn't have to poor mouth his opponents if the hire is the poor mouth. See? Damn. Also, you're welcome, Arizona State, for everything we did for you. There is no thank you note coming. No. Yeah. I believe, by the way, this features something which was the full Sumlin, which was being up by 35-21. Uh, 
or something thereabouts and and blowing it just full-on blowing it and setting up for the most obvious call in football which is with a college kicker like a 49 yard field goal just gotta no no get it in the middle of the field it's perfect it'd be great no no no, kick it off the hash every college kickers work a lot better that way yeah, they, they, they do you know it. how many one score game one score games Arizona State played this year? Four, nine. That's more. So more more than that. Okay. Nine. <laughs> what was their now? What was their record in those nine games? I would be interested uh, to see that. Let's see. They it has were, to be okay. Yeah, they were like five hundred in them. They beat. Let's see. They beat Arizona, UCLA, uh, USC. Um, forgetting one, Michigan State. Those are the four wins. The close losses were to San Diego State, Washington, Colorado, Stanford, and Oregon. So four and five. So not that great, actually. We should just ignore that. Don't don't listen to that, Harm. Don't listen to that. It's more. I'm more just impressed with the ability to play that many close games. Did they just like decide, that's hard? Did they just decide to have a year in which? The disappointments were more marginal, right? Like, you know what this program needs? Less huge disappointment and more consistent small disappointments. Like most most teams you're most teams you're gonna seesaw back and forth, right? You're not really gonna have like even Arizona, including this game, had let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They had six one-score games, and they were all over the map as a team. And Herm is still out of here basically lapping them with nine. That's, that's, whew, God. It's going to be rough when he takes You know what that is? Down. That's showmanship. That's 100% <laughs> showmanship. Herm knows that you paid for this cable package or this seat in the stadium, and he's going to give you a show all the way to the end. I would like to point out that, yeah... The general theme of the week was that bullies stay bullies. The teams that were supposed to win for the most part ended up winning. And that includes significant long streaks of just blinding, bitter disappointment by teams like, I don't know, Washington State, who in their best shot. I can't. I can't. No. If you want to know how doomed and how damned Washington State is as a program, it's our best shot to beat Washington in a while. Let's do it. Massive blizzard. <laughs> like, act of God. Nope. Well, surely they adjusted and started, like, you know, running the ball and maybe punting for field position, that kind of mesh. stuff. Mesh. Mesh. <laughs> mesh. Uh, let's see. How Run many? more mesh. 35 throws to 24 runs is your total in the wintry slush. Yeah, you know, they, they, they ran it a lot more than if they usually do. That's that's pretty balanced. In that weather. This is their own weather. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jake Browning threw 14 times. It's perfect. <laughs> and punted. He punted once. How many of those runs were fumbles or sacks is the question. I, I, be- I believe four. <laughs> okay. Three All or right. four. So not God. too bad, but watching watching our special boy Gardner Minshew suffer so badly and throwing endless crossing routes as Washington just dared them to do something, yeah that that was that was the most agonizing watch of the weekend. Even Michigan, you just thought, I don't know, man, you just signed up for you signed up for ass kicking class today, and you're learning. You're you're learning all the steps of an ass kicking. 
it didn't have the historical um, connotations with it, but w- the way West Virginia lost to Oklahoma was also pretty oh, painful. Jesus. So the end of Wazoo, Washington, the end of this game, and Tennessee's overtime loss to Kansas in basketball all happened within like 15 minutes of each other. And- I was going to say, Tennessee was nowhere <laughs> close to overtime with Vanderbilt, so. Thank you. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I didn't I didn't watch that game and I don't actually know the final score. Um I'm fine with that. And that was the point at which I just went and laid face down in bed with both my arms at my sides very quietly for a long time. I'm glad this season is over. Don't tell me there's another week. There's not. It's exactly. Over. We did it. Exactly. It's still though. Like I know that these were all these were all bitter disappointments that on paper made sense and to the eye were nothing but sadness, but there's there's one game that why are you like this? There's no there's one game that just sticks out like a sore ass thumb. Is it is like it Virginia Virginia Tech? <laughs> you know, Ryan, you and I are in sync tonight, and I like that. And the reason we're in sync is because we're both talking about agony, pain, and humiliation. Our shared frequency. It's our love language. <laughs> our love language is pain, and nothing was more painful than this game. <laughs> nothing. The last time that UVA beat Virginia Tech was 2003. It's the last time. And it's still the last time that UVA beat Virginia Tech because a 4-6 and six prior to this game Hokie team rolled in, managed to, you know, hang around, stay in the game, got up on them, and then suddenly UVA attained a 31-24 lead. It was 28-24 for a while. They tacked one on. 31-24. And naturally, what do you do? Go with what was working? Keep passing the ball a little bit? No, no, no. They were going to run it. Because that's what teams are supposed to do in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and surely Virginia Tech, who had been capable of doing nothing consistently throughout this game, would not, I don't know, pull a long completion out of its ass and string together a couple of plays to tie the game up, convince everyone wearing any UVA apparel that they were damned from the start. No, that's exactly what happened. That's, that's, I mean, it's not like all of Virginia tech's defenders were gone and they entered the season with like five scholarship players. I don't understand what the problem is here. I actually, I actually played cornerback for a couple of series in this yeah, game. Yeah, you looked great. I mean, yeah, you thank did. you. No, that was good. You used thank the ma- you. used like the boundary as the defender. That was awesome. I don't know what those words mean, but thank you. Very yeah, cool. you're just trying to make plays, man. And you know what? With Ryan Nanny playing cornerback, Virginia still couldn't beat Virginia they Tech. A position for him, the nanny back. <laughs> nanny back. Yeah, this There's was a reason it rhymes with medevac. This was just ghastly. It was so bad watching it happen because you could see it. You could see it like something falling off of the fri- off the top of the fridge, right? Like, no, somebody immediately beneath it. Move. You had Virginia getting up by what was it Talk like fourteen o or ten o or something like that. Oh, the other way around. Mm. Then Virginia came. They back, were uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech lead, was up for them. Gave zero. it up and yeah. And then Virginia Tech went. And then Virginia Tech went. Yeah, yeah. It was a real bad. Virginia had it. Fuck up. Yeah, had it at least once or twice. It was. It was. Oh, it was. 
You had this year, this week so, you had Washington State. So All right, it's finally hands. your chance. Finally. You're gonna you're gonna beat the bullies. You're gonna you're gonna be the you're gonna be the big boy now. Virginia, it's your best shot to beat Virginia tech in years. You're gonna do it. Uh and I sort of feel like there was another team that that was the case for. Um Michigan. I think that would apply. I don't think I think that would apply for Michigan. Michigan odds, man. I mean, West Virginia. Hey, remember how we were talking about um, all the points scored in A&M, LSU? Mm-hmm. Ohio State was very close to this point total, just with regulation. Oh, with zero did, overtimes. Did Ohio State play a game this weekend? Um, no. They overcame great adversity. and. We're not here to talk about Ohio State. Fuck them. Michigan, you gave up 62 points. To who? I don't know. Michigan responds as one. To whom? To whom? You after spending Friday night making fun of Oklahoma and West Virginia for giving up uh, about that many points. Not that many, I don't think. Uh, right? It's like every league, not just the yeah, NFL, not even that many. You gave up. Big more. Twelve was getting and was like, "Well, we can do that shit." Mm, I know the Michigan. Your defense is worse than Oklahoma's. I know Ooh. the one. I, I know the one I'm thinking of. Where the last time that this particular team won in this rivalry twitter wasn't around which comes into play in that team's response on twitter to that team because wisconsin prior to the game god this was a fun game tweeted out oh you know no one's ever tweeted that minnesota beat wisconsin because twitter wasn't around the last time it happened and after minnesota came off the mat (laughs) after a bad last month of the season came flying up revived and put wisconsin in the camel clutch 37 15 and now holding paul bunyan's axe yeah the uh university of minnesota responded with tweet tweet just the most midwestern nice stunt ever right hey there i think it gets even better that tweet was like two years old yeah no I'm, I'm pretty sure they went back and dug up their receipts. Like if you at any point in the last 14 years have said some shit about Minnesota, guess what? Ooh, vengeance is ours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, looky here. You know, just thinking about you. No, I'm just thinking about our deleted scene. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. 37, 15. This was, uh, there were a lot bigger games going on at the moment. Uh, and I was watching this one cause I was cranky. Uh, this was a really fun game. It is. I just want to commend everybody here. I think the most insulting thing we've done to Michigan ever in this podcast is immediately start talking about Wisconsin football. <laughs> Seven and five Wisconsin football. Hey, no Seven wanna, and five um, Wisconsin football. Moving on to bigger and better games. <laughs> Look at the division standings and see where where that puts where that puts Michigan. I'd be interested to Michigan. Michigan. Uh, Michigan rose where? all the way to second this so, year. So a vast yeah. improvement for the plucky upstart Michigan football Wolverines. Yeah, you got a four on the AP exam. Is it a five? No. Oh my, Ryan! I literally gasped oh. when you said that. That is the most Michigan insult ever. <laughs> you can't. But my mouth actually fell open when you dared to say that. Oh God, a four in AP history, no less. Oh, mm. can I tell you who? Can I tell you who failed an exam hard? 
it's a real bad segue, but I want to get to this score. Is is this a, a go ahead? Yeah. Just this that of all the games I didn't think were going to involve the kind of salt the earth <laughs> like Roman style beatdown. Uh Wake Forest beat Duke 59 7. <laughs> Jesus. Like to the point where you're like, settle down, Wake Forest. I do not know what happened in that. <laughs> I don't know one does. It was, it was a nerd freak out. <laughs> it was like the nerd freaked out on the other nerd. You stop hitting yourself. You stop hitting yourself. It was like the freak out in a Christmas story, except it was two kids with glasses. I, I've seen this scene before. It was when I was living in the dorms at the University of Florida. And one guy was like, so I'm just going to move these cannons here. And up, oh, you lost this game of risk. And the other guy flipped the table. Yeah. Instantly. That's what it was for four quarters. Just just big old nerdy wake force. This might be the rare instance of a basketball grudge bleeding over into football. That's the only explanation <laughs> or some kind of lacrosse kerfuffle. Right. This is the last time you fuck with us in lacrosse, bro. <laughs> My uh, favorite thing about this is Bill Conley, every Sunday morning, he puts up sort of uh, a review of how kind of of how his picks, his S&P plus picks did against what actually happened. And like, it's a way to show that like, oh, look at all the stuff that was really close. But then you can have fun looking at the ones that were not close. And he goes through different sections based on comparing the projected margin to the actual margin. And then it gets up to, you know, there's one section that's like games that were way off, you know, as many as. Four touchdowns off the mark. And then uh, and then Wake gets its own section titled, Holy Crap! <laughs> More than 60 points off the projected margin. Duke was projected to win by eight by a computer that usually beats Vegas. And yet, Wake Forest won by 52. Bill calls it uh, by far the biggest miss of the season. <laughs> this game is missing a really good branding opportunity between, between the Demon Deacon and the Blue Devil. This should be the game for Dominion over Hell itself. And, like, the winners should get some real gnarled kind of bloody key. And they're like, yeah, this is the, this is, opens the gate to hell. With this, we can unleash the, we can unleash the underworld onto the surface Lucifer, and harvest souls. Lucifer's key fob. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Wake Forest does have those weird tunnels under the campus. So... Lucifer, we told you you have to get two-factor authentication. Wait, it's about unleashing uh, uh, sinister minions onto the earth, and it involves Duke? That's wild. Mm, crazy. I'm just saying, lean into the hell angle, and this becomes a much more compelling game. Yeah, that's good. I agree. I'm all for uh, making every rivalry trophy as metal as possible. Thank you. I, I would also... I'd also, speaking of speaking of battles for the soul... That involve actual emotional stakes. Hey, BYU had a lead last night. How'd that go? Oh, no. Well, you know, all things on this mortal plane are but transitory. A lot of people had a lead last night. Kansas State had a lead last night. Mm-hmm. How'd that go for them? Didn't, they, didn't, they don't have it this morning. No, 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 no. Uh, how about that BYU lead? That BYU lead? <laughs> Evaporated. Life's funny. Gone. The one twenty-seven to seven was sixteen minutes to go. <laughs> Jesus. BYU leads in like every statistical category. Utah piece of scrap iron in his hand is like not today. With Bronco gone, are they missing their signature cussedness? 
I mean, they may they might need Virginia doesn't seem to have it either. No, no. I don't know, man. Where'd that where'd that nut punchiness go? No, no, no. It's on no, a U, it's on a UPS truck no, just no, no. just circling. Y- y'all are forgetting these are the new the, these are the new broods of the two coaches whose teams inaugurated the Miami Beach Bowl with a brawl between BYU and fucking Memphis. <laughs> this next year, no, next year's Commonwealth Cup is going to be lit. <laughs> it's true. They're going to be heinous. Remember in that brawl, by the way, person who got hit from the blind side, a Memphis player. Not a BYU player. No, it was a Memphis player who was like, that's filthy. What are you doing? The blind side, you say? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, that now didn't you're really. That now did, you're really just being mean to Godfrey at this point. That didn't work. <laughs> I would also. Uh, that I didn't mean, work. I didn't mean to do that. Well, that was an accidental stray. Oh god. There uh it also like at one point I believe before it slid the other way. Come on the full cast. I believe (laughs) that Oklahoma State came back and made it a game and then it wasn't. Because you can't predict anything that Oklahoma State's going to do this year. They lost to the team that lost to Kansas. Good. Yeah. Can we can we talk about UConn just for a second? <laughs> God, oh, yeah. oh damn! No. <clears throat> just 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 this is all I want to do. What kind of and dream listen, Randy Edsel would describe this game as. Trigger warning, please. I want to I want to preface that total yardage is a garbage statistic mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean anything. But sure. it's fun. That said, boy, it's fun. Maybe that's how we should describe it, not as a statistic, but as a, like a unit of entertainment. Yeah, that's fair. So we're using we're talking about defense here. Oregon State, second worst defense in the nation in total yardage, allowed six thousand four hundred and forty one yards this season. How many more yards did UConn, the worst team, allow? Six hundred beyond that six four six forty six thousand four hundred forty one. Uh, I'm gonna go. What is the what is the delta? But what is the delta between between these two schools? Six hundred yards. I'm gonna go seven. I'm gonna say they allowed seven thousand yards. Okay. Jason? I don't know what Delta means. <laughs> you live in Atlanta! Well, yeah. There's, clearly, there's one, one Delta I acknowledge. Holly, do you want to hazard a guess? Uh, I'm going to undercut Spencer and say... Uh, no, no. 8,500 yards. Okay, you went way over, but that's okay. That's fine. So did UConn's opponents. 7,409 yards. <laughs> almost, almost 32 yards away from a full thousand yards more than the second worst team. It, this team allows 8.81 yards per play, which means that every time you have first and 10 against UConn, you can get holding on that first and 10. And you still should be able to pick up the first down with room to spare. All I'm hearing is outliers <laughs> or innovators. My That's God. What, almost four it's miles. Four point, it's oh, it's, it's, uh, it's 4.3 miles. 4.3 miles. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, like I kind of want to flip this on its head. How did anyone ever punt against UConn? Actually, pull pull that up. I would like to see how much they did. <laughs> okay, so so how they were... they they. They uh, allowed the fewest. They forced the fewest punts in the nation this year, uh, both per game 
and overall. 2.3 for 28 total punts. 2.3 per game? Yes. 2.3 punts per game. Jesus, what? Kick returner's yeah. hands at cobwebs. There were, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four games where UConn only forced one punt. <laughs> so if you played UConn, you got to, for a day, pretend you're Oklahoma, basically. Yeah. Oklahoma simulator. Well, Oklahoma's Oklahoma offense. Oklahoma actually did yeah. play UConn. Yeah, that happened. That yeah, it worked out happened. about the rules same. are funny. <laughs> like they like these these rigged automatic bowl games. Sometimes we could use a little bit more flexibility. Example: Oklahoma, UConn. No, that was great. What are you talking I, about? Yeah, it's very memorable. You know, UConn lost like two million dollars on that game. <laughs> I did not know that. Because so they had to buy. Uh, that was the fiesta. Right, that was the fiesta bowl. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is from talking to a colleague at work who has a UConn affiliation, and for that reason, he or she shall remain completely anonymous. Um, They were really hoping to get the Orange Bowl. I forget who was in the Orange Bowl that year, but it was like another team that would have been, it would have made more sense for UConn to play. But they get Oklahoma, they get Oklahoma, and they have to fly across the country. And because of all the tickets that they have to buy, the athletic department ends up losing, I think it's like $1.8 million in this BC by getting to Money a BCS. That they bowl. surely had lying around being UConn football. 100%. Not a dime. Women. Not a dime. <laughs> we're ta- now we're talking about women's basketball funding uh, UConn football getting destroyed in front Gino's of nine people by Oklahoma. It's fine. Can we pay it in nutmeg? Get some facts. A nice Connecticut poll. Thank you. Um, so even if you use better numbers than, uh, just total yards, which are by themselves, they do tell the story quite well. Uh, Bill put up a post that was about using like good numbers to, to try and figure out how bad UConn's record setting defense is. And it was even by the smartest stuff, the, I think one of the two worst since division one split. Um, and even if you include teams that were like were basically FCS teams mixed in with FBS teams, it's it's still right down there with the worst of those. Basically, UConn had an FCS defense at the FBS level. And respect to them because they were paying Randy Etzel his $2,000, little um, <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> chip in bonuses throughout the season. Did- anyway, I think somebody tweeted, is it Steve Berkowitz who does like yes. the... Um, He's just constantly got the contract details on deck, ready to dish out. Like, this rich guy got this much richer today. Um, I think this one was, like, at the end of another humiliating blowout to complete one of the worst seasons in football history. Randy Etzel got $2,000 today for winning third down percentage battle. It was something like that. Is Randy Etzel the greatest argument we have for paying players? He, yeah. he has said he that. He said that. Yeah, that's the best part of it. That's the thing he knows. <laughs> oh my God, what if this whole UConn season is performance art? What if this is Randy <laughs> He's Edsel's saying, look resistance. how shameful this is. Look look how awful it is what I'm doing. Look upon your sport and weep. <laughs> that Randy Edsel just takes that two grand. and I, I imagine that he gets Brian, it like Brian, in an envelope, right? Brian, Brian, put the sad husky on Ozymandias. Do it. <laughs> The sad husky on Joker setting a pile of money on fire. Do it. You're doing that right after this podcast. No, with with him in the nurse's uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Hi.
I think that's the one where like uh, he he he's walking away and he he clicks the fuse and the bomb doesn't go off. <laughs> and then he just shakes it. I wanted to talk. He just, he just took over hospital for no reason. This is as good a segue as any to talk about super weapons that haven't gone off yet. Charging. Charging. The Charging. fully operational. There's, oh, there's a rumble. The prophecy. The prophecy is still alive, because more alive than ever. More alive than ever. Because remember. What did we say about Pitt before the season? That they were going to be the ones that, that beat Clemson, correct? They're going to bag a legendary pelt. I don't know if we said that or not. We said sure. it. We said, we, said they, we said they are going to wreck somebody's playoff season. Texas is 9-3. and three. That's all that matters. We made two predictions. That was one. This is the other. Yeah. Don't look up the rest. Yeah. Michigan definitely wasn't going to beat Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, we never said nope. that. Never said that. So Actually, this would be a good week to go back to our week one episodes and listen to. No, okay. it's never a good week to go back <laughs> to any episode. So after the false dawn. No, because I actually do remember us cackling about how long Wisconsin had had Paul Bunyan's axe. I don't know what possessed us to be talking about Minnesota, Wisconsin in goddamn August. That sounds like us. So, yeah. Good job, us. Space madness, mostly. Mm. The, the pit streak after the false dawn of a close loss to Notre Dame. They beat Duke. They beat UVA. They beat Virginia Tech. And beat is a real gentle term there for what they did to Virginia Tech. Who must be really good because they beat UVA. And a win over Wake Forest. Bully Wake Forest. They did exactly what we said they would do. The prophecy states that they would immediately collapse Phone one in and embarrass themselves at Miami because they're spending this week and the next week charging up. Charging up! Because the most pit thing of all would be to back in. Beep, beep. In your Pittsburgh Steelers themed garbage truck. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you know, like PT Cruiser. (laughs) No. P-I-T-T. I call it Big Bang because it's got a shitty turning radius and it's gray. <laughs> and it's slow and smelly. Yeah. And the glove compartment's filled with fries. Oh, that'd be well, that just, that's Well, no, that's the I Pittsburgh DMV rule. Yeah, yeah that'd be d- that's, that's just for safety. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> so hungry. I haven't eaten in 90 minutes. Oh, I thought he meant as like crash insulation. <laughs> oh, Susan, we're trapped in a snowbank. Settle Break down. Open the, in, settle I'm down. stuck in traffic. Open the emergency fries. <laughs> oh, that's... Uh... So, we, what we have now with um, the, the super weapon fully charged and operational, and it's, it's drawing down on Big Pretty Clemson, Big Pretty Peaceful Clemson, uh, which as, you know, as we have been envisioning for a a full year now if Pitt does this clemson really might be knocked out of the playoff like they're super dominant and everything and and like they have a nice ranking but they ain't beat a whole lot of good teams ain't them ain't them's good uh but like this the strength of schedule numbers just are not very kind and with ohio state suddenly jumping up oklahoma hanging around notre dame already in bam already in probably Mm -hmm. Um, Clemson really could be knocked out of the playoff here. And the other funny part is 
if Pitt were to win this, Pinch Pitt would clinch a bid to the Peacher Fiesta Bowl. Thank you, God. Meaning we would have a repeat of UConn going to the Fiesta Bowl, basically. No, Except no, I, we'll go to that. Pitt we I, I will see Pitt fans in Arizona. Listen, if Pitt man, if Pitt oh, is in the Peach Bowl, here. if Pitt's in the if Pitt's in the Peach Bowl, we're doing something for it. Oh, if oh, Pitt's in going. the Peach Bowl, we're there. Okay. Oh my God, the Peach Pit! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Pit Pit. <laughs> Hashtag Peach Pit. <laughs> That's the rallying cry. And if it's the Fiesta Bowl, it's the Sarlacc Pit. So in Peach Pit forty-five. <laughs> what I would point this out too that that Kenny Pickett, the starting quarterback for for Pitt, has only thrown over two hundred yards once. Also, if you make a tesseract out of his jersey, it says Pitt. Wow. But he's only thrown over 200 yards once. That was 316 against Wake Forest, I right? I talk about my thing. Okay. Now, I want to go back. <laughs> I want to go back. Who was the last Pitt quarterback you remember? Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman. Yeah. <laughs> That's right! Do you, do, you, do you know why this is? John Boyce came up, up to me in the office like two weeks ago, and he was he asked me like, "Was Nathan Peterman anything in college? Like, what? How the hell did we get to this <laughs> point?" And I was like, "Well, he was at Tennessee for a while, and like was okay, nothing spectacular. Transferred to Pitt again, okay, nothing spectacular, but he was part of this huge win over Clemson before you know all of the billsing." And more billsing. And so much billsing. Can I tell you the other very pit story behind this? Nathan Peterman, who, of course... Still charging. Nathan Peterman just takes longer to charge. <laughs> Which was this. That in the 43-42 upset where Nathan Peterman was a god. He came up to Narduzzi in the office beforehand. Uh, probably the Probably, by the way... A 51-28 loss at Miami was the week before the big upset of Clemson. Just saying. History repeats itself. Kenny Pickett, you're the new Nathan Peterman. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You have to hand... Don't you put that devil on him. No, he has to handle the... He has to hand over the Nathan Peterman mantle to somebody else in a year or two. Or it's his forever. (laughs) Jason, for old time's sake, can we get a good Nathan Peterman is a god? (laughs) I don't know if I have that one in. <laughs> That's fair. So that would feel that would feel like blasphemy in a certain way. We don't have to say what he's a god of. So, okay, so the best the best part of this story is Narduzzi. Uh, he, Peterman was hurting, shoulder was messed up a little bit. And Narduzzi, he said, "Coach, I don't know if I can finish the season. I'm going to have to have the season ending get ready for the next level surgery." And the coach calmly told his second year starter that there won't be a next level if he doesn't finish the year and finish it strong. This is all my way of saying that, one, Kenny Pickett's definitely going to throw for 900 yards against Clemson. Because if Jake Bentley can throw for 500, just saying, it's probably going to happen. Two, Pat Narduzzi hates Nathan Peterman. Because he made him do that, and that's why we all talk about the Peterman now. It's all Pat Narduzzi's fault. Buffalo helped a lot. Let's not let's not discount Buffalo's role in this. Wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for the dues. Man, imagine there's probably somebody out there who is a Pitt and Bills fan. And they were probably real excited 
for Nathan Peterman's first start in Buffalo. Like, oh, oh, geez, Karen, I, I've seen this ki- this kid. He's got some special magic. You watch. He's like a magician. He's like Siegfried and Roy. I'm glad we're doing voices again. <laughs> is, is this a combo pit Buffalo Nathan accent? Perderman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get... We gotta get Kirshner on to just record a soundboard for us, like a pit, just a pit soundboard. The Yinzer soundboard. Sternbird. Sternbird. Do we care about uh, any of this weekend's coaching changes? The only okay. one. Oh, I care about one non-change. Clay Helton? <laughs> nope, not that one. No? Not that one. <laughs> So Cliff is out, Fedora is out, Clay Hilton is in, but we are here to talk about... Uh, per SB Nation exclusively, Mike Sanford is out. Yeah. Mike Sanford is also out. I was I, I was, I was going for just Power 5 teams that our listeners have heard of, but there's also Western Kentucky. God damn it. Godfrey, I'm trying to be nice to you. Look what happened. I don't know, I don't know if this qualifies as a Power 5 that uh, our listeners have heard of, but Illinois not only kept Lovey Smith after... Uh, after they lost Northwestern and dropped to four and eight on the year, mm-hmm. they gave him a two year extension. Have you seen that beard? <laughs> it's the beard, man. It's the, let's keep this thing growing. Look how authoritarian <laughs> that beard is. Everybody loves a strong man. You know, I bet my, this comes. My theory, my working theory, is that there's like one dish Lovey Smith can cook. That's like maybe it's like oh man. Have you had Lovey Smith's? Have you had Coach Smith's lasagna? Oh my God, it's the best! Like, you know, normally lasagna to me is just like lasagna, but Coach Smith's lasagna is fucking next level. Yeah, I know, I know the team's terrible, but like, I gotta, we gotta give him the extension so we can get more lasagna. He's gonna keep going. <laughs> Although, Coach, I'm saying, listen, I'm saying Illinois is run by Garfield. <laughs> that that's the most. That's actually the best explanation for Illinois athletics in general, <laughs> that it's run by Garfield. That when they get in for the staff meeting on Mondays, right, like, hey, let's turn this thing around. Let's make it happen. They open oh, the Mondays. Oh, I hate Mondays. Oh. <laughs> Illinois takes Mondays off. Let's hire Ron Zook. He reminds me of Odie. I hate that guy. <laughs> Fire him. <laughs> but he got you to a Rose Bowl. Oh. Just gonna eat a whole lasagna in the pan. I I would say this for Illinois too. I respect giving him the two year extension off that because it's the it's the natural response. It's the hey, it's it's when you tell anybody like it's it's the internet thing, right? When you go, Hey, that's a stupid idea. Oh yeah? Well I'm gonna like it twice as much now. That's it. I bet somebody the AD was like, "Shit, I'm gonna keep Lovey. I'm just gonna keep him, man." And they were like, "So what Why? we're describing here is employing Lovey Smith to own the libs." One hundred percent. That's fine. All aboard. Yeah, this is why North- Northwestern is gonna give Pat Fitzgerald like a twenty-three year extension. That was gonna happen. I mean, we're, he's not leaving, so. <laughs> so we need to report that we need to we need to boost PFITS. We need to help him out, right? Because he'll he will, he'll never. Yeah, that ha- sounds like socialism. Yeah, he'll never have a union to help him out, right? Mm. So we we got to be. Like, oh boy, I've heard that. Uh, what's his name of program? Texas Tech. Super interested in Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Northwestern is noted for their their space and rocketry programs. Why wouldn't he want to live on the moon? 
Uh, did you know French Stewart was in Stargate? Wait, what? 